Hey, brother. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? Can't complain, man. I can't complain. Miami right now? Yep. A slight delay, but I hear you. You got me okay? Yep. Do you hear me? I hear you perfectly. I was focused on the bottles behind you. It makes me feel good. Yeah, thank little... you for the gifts. Thank you for the gifts. So it, it's not often I get to talk to somebody who probably drinks just as much as me. So it's, <laughs> this will be a first. And, we're, and we got matching beards. Exactly, exactly. Um, but Eric, DJ EFN, I wanted to, so you know who I am. Uh, Brett Barish and your fans know I, I own a liquor company. I, I, uh, my past brands, Ace of Spades, Doucet, my current brands, Bel Air, Bumboo, McQueen, and Vion. Got some more stuff coming. Um, I started doing this, which we call self-made a few years ago, uh, where I got, I get to talk to, uh, artists, to influencers, to sports people, business people. And to me, it's all about hearing. I don't like the success side because that doesn't drive me. I like the, the grind, the shit that people went through to get there. Um, and I ask everybody the same thing when we start, what does self-made mean to you? Man, self-made, it, it really, I think it's really, um, it's, there's a lot to, to, to unpack when you talk about being self-made, you know, cause, cause it can mean a lot for different people. Um, a lot of different things actually, but for me, it's really just from, from the ground on up from from not having resources not having any kind of connections into any industry and and figuring it out you know from from just from nothing you know you just you just figure it out and to me that's that's the ultimate self-made story you know someone that that just figures it out uh does puts in the time puts in the work does the research and and doesn't give up did you have people that, that when I look back and I've been doing this space for 22 years, but when I look back even past that, uh, there weren't a lot of people giving advice. If you know what I mean, there's not a lot of people to turn to, to be like, what right. the hell do I do? Is this the right move? This is what I want to do. What do you think? Did you have that at all? I didn't, I didn't really have that at all. Um, the only thing I did have is I had two things. I didn't grow up with my father. He wasn't really, he was in and out of my life, right? And so, but from a distance, I admired him because number one, he's a, he, he's a Marine Vietnam veteran uh, and he escaped communist Cuba as a young child. And he was able to get past all of that, you know? And, you know, obviously he, he, there's scars that he bared, you know, emotionally and physically from from those ordeals that affected our family life but beyond that he he went on to go to college and he ended up becoming uh, an entrepreneur a businessman he he became the ceo of some companies um he built up companies and i saw him build up companies and fought and, and fail and then build up again you know yeah and so from a distance even though we didn't have a great relationship that's my blood. That's my father, you know, and I still admired him. And that, that was an inspiration to me just to know that someone that close to me, you know, I could see what they were doing. Sure. Um, so that was one. And then locally in line with what I was into, which was music, 
I was just looking around at who was doing anything. And I, and I mean, going back to what I said earlier about research, I was reading all the hip hop magazines, yeah. reading all the stories of all the guys like Ruthless Records, Eze, Luke Skywalker in Miami, here where I'm at, uh, Master P and Wu-Tang, like just piecing together what I could from reading these interviews and these stories about these companies and these people. But then locally, there was a local independent uh, group that created their own record label and they pressed up some records. And at that time in the early 90s, just to press up records <laughs> was a big deal. was yeah, a huge yeah, yeah. deal. Yeah. If you got your records pressed yep. at that point, for someone like me, it's like you made it already. Like, yeah. you know, and so I asked to, you know, because there was nobody else. I had no other mentors. So I just asked these guys because they were local. Can I shadow you guys? In a sense, I interned with them. Sure, sure. And and through that experience, um, those were like the two things I could say. Like my father and kind of like shadowing those guys was the was the only kind of type of mentoring or, or anybody I could you know look around and and, and relate to. And what what was it about music that that drew you in? It just music just spoke to me. It always spoke to me from a young age. Um, it spoke to me a lot through movies, like soundtracks of movies yeah. really, it drew me in and, and, it, and it made things visual. And and I was always into music. I, you know, when I was a lot younger, I was a skater. I was into into punk. I was into, into rock. But when hip hop really started to come through a lot more for me, because it was always there, you know, like the rap music was coming through. But it was a point where hip hop just really spoke to me. And I felt like it was the music of my generation. Whereas some of the other music I was listening to felt like it was somebody else's music from their generation, you know, and, and, and I felt like hip hop was on the ground level and it was something that, whoa, like this is happening now in real time. It's like, I'm almost witnessing the birth of something, especially locally in Miami, even more than, than, you know, maybe in New York at the time. Did, did, did you, was there an area, cause you've done a whole bunch of things in the music space uh you've moved was there an area that you that that's that you wanted to do the most that you saw yourself in i just wanted to to be in <laughs> you know what I'm saying like yeah I, I just wanted to be in in the music space i wanted to the first goal for myself and then and then my crew that because we we started right out of high school i started this company called crazy hood productions yeah and I, had, I hadn't even started djing yet because i didn't have the money to buy turntables yeah so <laughs> So our goal was just mainly to to help support and uplift the local hip hop scene, yeah. to help make a name for ourselves and and kind of try to help get, give get respect for the local Miami hip hop scene. That was just our goal at that time. That's all we wanted to do. And, and you know, while while trying to do that, of course, you know, I was like, okay, well, the only thing to do is, you know, we we put together a group. Well, I couldn't rap, and I didn't. I wasn't. A, I didn't have turntables at the time, but then. I knew I was going to DJ, so I, put, I, you know, I assembled a group and I kind of like pseudo managed the group. You know, I, I, I developed them. I, I did the bio pictures. I, I figured out how to get them in the studio. I got producers and I was like, all right, that's what we're going to do. But soon, quickly, I realized that, you know, that dream, that kid dream of we're going to record a record. We're going to put out vinyl. We're going to put out a single in a video and that's it. We made it. You know, we're going to we're going to be millionaires. Sure. Thought that wasn't going to happen. So if I wanted to stay in this in this music space, in this creative space, then I, I needed to put on different hats and I needed to find different streams of revenue that was going to ultimately, you know, continue to fund this dream of, of, of being in this. Was, was that moment 
healthy for you where you realize, you know, th this isn't, this isn't the way it's going to work. I got to do it differently. And I'm, I ask that because for me, you know, I, I think the first six or seven years of, of my space was I wanted now, I wanted fast. I could see it. I, it. This is the way everyone else is supposed to happen. And it hit me finally. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I got to have right. patience and I got to love it first. Did, did that give you clarity knowing it's not supposed to happen like that? It was it was a tough a tough uh, pill to swallow at the time because yeah. you're young, and you think that you're gonna you're gonna be young forever and this is yep. gonna last this you know you, at the time just small wins was was enough you know just yeah you know having fun with your friends and and go you know doing it big in the club or or whatever those those were the payouts but as you know as you get older and real responsibilities set in, and you you're saying to yourself well you know, I have to, it, like, this is serious. Like, this is, is this a career or is this a hobby? Yep. And you have to decide these things quickly. And and that's, you know, I kind of like, I already knew early on, though, that I wanted to be very professional in the space because everybody yeah. at the time, especially in the early 90s, you know, we're just happy hip-hop kids, you know, happy to be on the mic, happy to be on stage, happy to do this. I wanted it to be more. And so I wanted to be taken serious. We were We were young guys coming in. Uh, young black and Latino men, and 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 I wanted us to be taken serious, so I tried to be as professional as possible, and trying to be and emulate professionalism made me like it actually taught me to be professional because I'm really I was acting at first I was emulating yeah, 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 yeah. businessmen and saying okay this is the way you're supposed to act without having really these proper mentors at the time, and um you know I'm like okay well I'm gonna open up a, a clothing store and that was in '97 you know, a hip hop clothing store, which at the time there wasn't many in Miami. Uh, I started a marketing company um, and I just started to to see things around me and in and, and a different light where I was like, okay, this is real, this is serious, I'm building a career here, but then I have to figure out how does it all come together at one point. When, when do you think it came together? Um, well, you know what, you know what really I think really changed everything was the recession because 2000 like what 2007 like right seven then? yeah 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 because before that in, in the marketing space and everything i was doing um there was a lot of money being thrown around by the record labels. i was working for a lot of record labels i was consulting i was doing a lot of stuff a lot of people wanted to get in and they were throwing a lot of money around and so there was a lot of money in the space and so i'm like oh wow this is great and I and I got lost in that. Oh, this is gonna last forever. All these accounts and and yeah, you yeah. know all these things were gonna keep coming. And when the recession hit, it's it really did a hard reset on what yeah. my goals were. You know, on what am I doing with the brand, uh, myself as a brand. What does that mean? Um, and so it was a make it or break it moment when the recession hit. And I, at the time, I thought it was just happening to me. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Of course. A lot of us, you know, we're really good at making sure that nobody sees it's the perception. Yep. And so I'm thinking, wow, man, I'm, I'm a failure. Like, this is really hitting me hard. And it was either get out completely or, you know, or buckle down and double down on what I'm doing. And, and so that's what I did. I, I, I buckled down. Um, I got down to the nitty gritty. You know, I, I scaled everything down. But I, I went back to the, to the drawing board and started concentrating on what was going to be the next 
moves. I didn't stop working. I didn't stop you know, like creating. I didn't stop dreaming. And, and so that's when the next phase, and that's where it all really came together after, after the recession. <laughs> Is, you know, and I use this example a lot um, when, when uh, for some reason, Rhapsody always stood out to me because she said to me, you know, she got to the point where, because she didn't make it until late in life. And right. she said, you know, if I just had enough money, Brett, to get to the studio, I'm, I'm set. I'm set because right. I'm doing something I love. And it, sometimes it takes those moments to realize, you know what? All right. I, I got to. I got to cut it down just to just to keep doing what I like, and it sounds like that's kind of your moment as well. No, absolutely. It was it was a a big uh, watershed moment, a, a point where I I felt like I matured. You know, I was forced to really mature in terms of even how I approached business. What do you tell people today that ask you? You know, I, I want to be in the music space. I want to be a DJ. I want to be an artist. I want to be. I want to have my own, you know, uh, 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 um, show, you know, what do you tell them to kind of, to, to give them some real, real thoughts on uh, how do you get there mentality? Well, you know, speaking strictly from, from my perspective and my opinion, I always tell people don't go into this space where you think, uh, you're, you're going to make it overnight, you know? And I mean, I think that's yep. obvious, but, but when you're, when you dream and when you, and when you think you're talented, you're like, no, it's going to, I'm going to be it's the gonna one. It's going to happen. Yep. I'm going to be the one. And, and I'm not saying, you know, luck is definitely, there's, there's people that are lucky in, in every, in every industry. But for the most of us, luck is not, doesn't really play. You have to create your luck is what it is. And the only way you create your luck is by hard work, consistency, and persistence. And that's what I tell you. I said, go into this, get ready for heartbreak. Yep. Get ready for disappointment. Yep. It's all a part of that road and it's what builds you up so that when the time is right, when the luck does appear, you are prepared to take advantage of that luck. It's really so, not luck. You created that luck. You created that. So how does that jive with the fact that you said it yourself, you know, in this in the music space, no one likes to talk about how hard it was they just want you to think they were their shit's always going on it's always worked it's always right. been there like how, how do you why do you think no one likes to tell the other side i don't know i just think people want to put out the perception that that life is always amazing for themselves and that yeah. it's all glamour and glitz i think we i think we've turned a corner in in the industry where people are a little bit more open about the reality of what's going on, you know, and, 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 and the hardships. It almost like it's almost given a different revenue stream for people to have content to talk about the hardships, you know? Yep. Yep. And to and to and social media, you know, there's good and bad in it, but part of the good is the people that that kind of like show their life for what it is and, and, and say, hey look, this is the good and this is the bad. So so I think we've changed, you know, we've turned that corner, but people for the most part, especially in the entertainment space, have always presented a front that everything is great. And then, you know, social media, depending on how you approach it, only made it worse because people only, you know, they, they curate what they show you. Sure. I only want to think, show you the pretty side. I don't want to show you the ugly side. Exactly. And that's why I appreciate the ones that are really honest and either they're real honest or they're honest about how they use social media because, you know, not everybody has to be on their 24 seven showing everything about their life. 
you know, I, I could appreciate someone who's like, this is just my business, you know, and this is what I use it for just to promote stuff. And I can appreciate someone that's super honest and trying to show you everything about their life. Uh, we'll get into the show, but how do you, how do you, when you talk to, when you talk to the people on the show and they're not willing to give that other side, what do you think? It makes it hard to have that conversation. It does because it's so inspirational when they are able to give that Correct. other side. You know, Correct. it inspires me. It inspires Lori. You know, we're always inspired by the, by the guests we have. Yep. And so when they're guarded and they don't want to tell the truth, you know, it's, it's difficult. But, but I understand it because some of us, you know, you know, especially generationally, we come from, from different, you know, a different time and where you presented something a certain way. And it's sometimes some of the people from a different generation or who came out a certain time, it's hard for them to open up because they didn't do that. They didn't have to do that. So I remember I interviewed uh, Fat Joe and he's telling me, you know, just brutally honest stories about, you know, how he effed up and he took flights from Connecticut to Jersey to go eat dinner and on private planes and just losing it all. But that's the stuff it's like, and if you're really listening, whoa, this is stuff you got to take in because don't make the same mistakes. Right. I mean, you got to appreciate that when someone like him is basically saying, I, I thought twice, three times I screwed it up. I could have had it all. Um, but well, I, it, to, to talk about Joe, that, that honesty is, he was our first released episode. And that's, I think it was that rawness with him talking to yeah. him that helped propel, you know, the beginning of Drink Champs. Um, what were, you know, it could be a small high, and I'll give you my small high because I've got the downside. Um, but it was as simple as uh, I had one employee, and we pretend we worked in my in an office, but it was really my apartment because we'd have people come and meet us. And at one point, uh, uh, Scott is his name is like it was the middle of summer. It's in New York City, and he's like, "Brett, we need freaking air conditioners." And I finally realized, all right, I got enough money. I can pay for two air conditioners. <laughs> like, like, but, but that, like, there's lots of those moments building, if you know what I mean. Like, what were, do you have any of those moments for you? I mean, for me, those moments are whenever I can include uh, the guys that, were, that are in my crew that, has, that were there from the beginning. You know, like, yeah. like I said, this is a high school crew of friends that embarked on this journey to, to, to be involved in, in the music scene, specifically hip hop in Miami. And like, you know, like I said, we, we figured out fairly quickly that it wasn't gonna be support the whole crew. But what was, what's awesome about my story is I have such a great group of friends and, and, and my crew is so great that even though a lot of people dropped out of being active in what we were doing and went on to go to school, back to school or, or, or follow other career paths, they're all still, associated and still passionate about what we do about the brand so to me it's whenever i can include them whenever i can bring them in mm. on something whenever i can get them a check from something whenever i can bring them on a trip to do something and have them experience what we all hoped we could experience back when we were teenagers those are those moments for me um tell me drink champs wh what was the original premise um, I mean, the original premise is what you see on camera. It hasn't it was, changed. It's the same. No, 
the the idea and you know maybe you might have, i don't know if nori would answer it differently than, than than myself but i think we're on the same page for me it was always to bring these conversations these organic uh raw conversations that we were having backstage or in the studio because actually it was born in my studio so we were drinking we were gambling we were we were, you know we were having all kinds of fun and then we were talking shop and we were talking shop raw you know we were just it was it was just an organic conversation people the way you talk in the barbershop people cutting in you know it, it, it was it was just a real organic conversation and i felt that but in those wild and crazy conversations where people are butting into each other and and, and you know talking over each other you get like these gems that you wouldn't get anywhere else you yep. get these stories that you'll never get anywhere else and of course, you know, the alcohol plays a part in it, but it's not really, it's just, that's what we were doing. It wasn't, yep. it wasn't a show to let's bring alcohol to try to trick people to talk. No, this is what we were doing behind the scenes, backstage, in the studio. Let's bring this type of environment to the table and record it. And it just, it's being familiar and it's talking to your peers. It wasn't like you're talking to two journalists that went to school for journalism and, and we're asking you a, a really proper Q&A type of interview it was just, hey, man, let's just talk. What do you want to talk about? When you finish a show, what, what do you hope you got out of it for you? For me, it's just a, an entertaining conversation. Something, yeah. you know, just I want to be able to, to hear some stories about, you know, just interesting stories about the, the guest's journey and what they do. I want to laugh. To me, that's one of the most important things. When, when we yep. launched Drink Champs, I actually put us in the comedy section <laughs> of podcasts. And yep. Nori was like, you know, and then we spoke and they're like, let's go into the music. But I felt that we were more, I wanted us to be in the comedy because I wanted us to have a lot of laughs. You know, life's too fucking serious, man. <laughs> you know? Like, it, 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 what do you feel, if you get one thing you've learned from Nori? One thing that I've learned from Nori? Yeah. Man. The truth is, is that really, the, you could do anything you really like, you know, to say you could do anything you put your mind to. He, he really exemplifies that because you would have never thought, you know, Nori from Capone Noriega to, to what he did in his solo career. And then when he jumped into the reggaeton space, which, you know, now looking back, was sure. genius. But yeah. back then when he did it was a risk. And then him following me and, you know, us talking and saying, let's jump into this podcast space, which before we were doing internet radio and we were doing a uh, satellite radio and we did it for free. We weren't making a dime off of it. So seeing that he was willing to put on all these different hats and explore these different, you know, lanes, I was learning that someone at his status, because remember when I met Nori, at least for me as a DJ, as a mixtape DJ, he was already big, you know, he was already yep. a big artist to me. And, you know, when the NRE album came out, top tier artist. So for someone to have been at that caliber and still be willing to take these chances, that's what I learned from him, you know? What is he, what do you think he, what would he say if he's learned from you? That's a good question to ask him. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he might've learned maybe certain, you know, a kind of consistency and persistence that I think that he's always, seen in me you know from the day i met him um uh, you know I've, I've always been the guy that's like okay we have a relationship let's let's maintain this relationship 
and let's be consistent with it. I'm very big on consistency and, and you know, and, and making sure consistency and persistence. Yeah. Those two things together matter a lot to me. Not annoying, but being persistent with things. It is, um, is, uh, is the show the most proud thing you, you, that you, as you look back on everything that you've done? It's the most proud thing in the sense that I, you know, I, like I said, we just set out to, to represent Miami on the hip hop map, you know, uh, represent the Miami hip hop scene and to be able to do something that represents hip hop as a whole. You know, I think we, we've, we've touched the global scene. I mean, I, I, I do a documentary series where I travel and I was in South Africa and people were like, EFN, drink champs. Yeah. And, that to me makes me proud, you know, and, and, and to also have a platform that allows a lot of the artists that I grew up on or that I admired growing up or, or even my peers to give them a platform to be able to come on with no judgment and to, and to you know, just come and tell their story that I don't think existed the way Drink Champs did um, before Drink Champs. Does it, it would make me proud to know that I was in the lane, you know, way before everybody else. You guys were doing this way before everybody else. Like that doesn't, to me, that's, that's organic at its best. Meaning organic is you're just doing something you like and we'll see what happens. For sure. I mean, we did have some, some people to look to that, that were er earlier than us in the space in terms of hip hop podcasting, like combat Jack and Juan F and, and some of these other guys, um, Joe Budden was doing it. But I think what we brought to the table was so different and so new that I think it even might have, you know, reinvigorated them uh, when we came out. You know, Rap Radar, Elliot Wilson and them. But, yeah, man, it was – I felt like we caught lightning in a bottle. And and we're very lucky for that. And that, to me, goes where we we worked to the, to the luck part. So tell me about Coming Home Project. So coming home is a, is a passion project that that has been such a pleasure to do it, and it was something that was born in that downtime during the recession, you know, when when I hit rock bottom in that in that time frame. And I'm Cuban American, I, you know, I was born in Los Angeles to Cuban parents, raised in Miami, and and if anybody knows the Cuban story, it's kind of taboo to go back to Cuba, especially if your parents, you know, left after the revolution, escaping the revolution. And so at a point when I became an adult, I, I wanted to go and see, you know, this land where my family's from and follow my roots. So it was merely an idea of going to Cuba to follow my roots and experience it for myself as an adult. And then I said, let's document this trip. And my, my, one of my artists at the time, Garcia, he went to film school and he was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be a part of the project as well. And we filmed this experience. And while we were there, we linked with the local hip hop scene. And I was already a big fan of Anthony Bourdain yeah. and what he was doing. So I thought, man, he uses food to, to, as a conduit to, to these conversations sure. that are bigger than food. Sure. And I thought, well, we could do that with hip hop. And so as amateur filmmakers that we were, we came back, we had never done anything like this. We edited this film in my, in, in my room in my apartment at the time. Uh, both of us together and we put out this film and it, and it and it went to film festivals it won some awards and it went on to get picked up by revolt tv as they launched the network in 2013 we were the first like original content 
acquisition that they licensed. And that was crazy for us as the first time filmmakers. And one of the things that people were saying is like, man, we'd love, you know, we'd love to see the hip hop scene out there. We'd love the, the storytelling. We'd love to see, like, you know, everybody with whatever background they had, you know, I'm, someone comes up, I'm Jamaican, I'm Peruvian. I would love sure. to, you know, to see that. And I was like, well, I love what Anthony Bourdain's doing. Why can't we do that in the hip hop space? And that, that was the birth of coming home. We went to, we went to Peru. We went to Haiti. We went to, uh, to Vietnam. I wanted to go follow, you know, I went and visited the battlefields where my dad fought in the war, which I never in a million years would have thought I would have done. Um, we went to Colombia and we went to South Africa. So, so that, it, that's the film it, right now as a whole. I come back to this idea that, and I, I believe in organic, uh, I don't want to say brand building, but I'll use that organic brand building, just doing things. It's not like you look at stats or you looked at what's trending or what's hot. You're just doing, you're moving and leaning into what makes you feel good. Absolutely. It, it, it is, can you say that that's kind of the consistent thing over the years? Absolutely. That I, I can't do anything if it doesn't feel right to me. I won't, I'm not about doing something to make a dime off of it. Yep. It just doesn't feel right. That money doesn't even feel right in my pocket. You know, what I mean? yep. you know like I have to do it, you know, I'll rather not make a dime off of something and just feel great about a project. Yep. And so that's the way I've always moved. And, and in the long run, it's really worked. And, and even looking back, even with any hard times, you know, like I said, I didn't, I thought I was the only one going through the recession at the time. <laughs> But I've spoken no, you to think, all you kinds think, of people. And everybody was going through. Yep. 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 You know, so yep. so really throughout that time, you know, I was I was leaning into things that felt right and, and it was working and it was working until that happened. And and then after that, I continued to move forward and, and, and yeah, man, just leaning in with, with passion. What's next? What's what's next that you want to do? Um, well, I want to continue the coming home series. We partnered up with LL Cool J and Rock the Bells. Uh to hopefully produce some new ones and 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 produce them properly because I was independently creating the ones that I the six that I have the the current ones are going to be re-released on Revolt TV and then the, okay. the two new ones which is Colombia and South Africa had never been uh, publicly released so those are going to come out soon and uh, Drink Champs continues I'm, I'm I help produce podcasts for guys in my crew. And, you know, we're, we're creating a podcast network through Drink Champs as well to, to help distribute and, and, pro and produce and promote other podcasts. And, um, and I'm just always, you know, keeping an eye open for, for what's new, what, what comes across that feels right to do. Because uh, I have to ask, what, what's the go-to drink for you? It changes, and it's changed a lot over the years. As of lately, I've been a big beer drinker. We even have a, a Drink Champs beer. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, I used to drink a lot of rum, uh, but uh, right now I'm drinking. Have you, have you tried mine, Bamboo? Amazing. Yeah, it's Wayne nice. brought it. Yeah, Amazing, it's, and it's great. Yeah, um, it's really so good. What's the latest one? What are you, What are you drinking? Now? I'm a mood drinker, so I I'm the same way. I drink based on kind of the feeling I'm in or what I want. What's What's the latest one? I'm drinking this Dominican Mama Juana that's locally oh. made yep. here. That's, that's what I've been drinking at shots. And then sometimes I'll, I'll drink. I'm a part of this Colombian white, which is a, a Colombian aguardiente locally made as well. Very cool. Um, have you drank so much you don't even remember the interview? That happens. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so it's not that I drink so much I don't re remember the interview. Well, I guess it is that. But um, what I love is to I don't watch the interviews afterwards. Yep. And then I just like to see the the feedback from the viewers and the listeners, and they'll start shooting me tweets and and DMs and say, "Oh man, this part and that part." And I'm like, it's surprising to me. It's stuff. It's all new to me. It's all you know. I I I interviewed uh, Wiz, and I swear to, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I I literally I don't remember a thing. Absolutely nothing. Wayne, I probably eighty percent of it I don't remember. <laughs> so, but but it went real well. How's that? So I, I yeah. can function very well. <laughs> yeah, as long as the feedback is rolling in good, I know it was a good a good conversation at the least. Well, DJ FN, uh, I love it. I love hearing your story. Uh, I, I love the way you, 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 as I said, you you move into things. I'm a big fan of just, you know, it's when you're close to something, you know which way to go. Uh, right. And it just feels right. Um, everything I've done is based on, you know, I, or put differently, everything I've ever done, everyone, no one liked it. Uh, hmm. no one thought Ace would be successful. No one thought Bel Air would be successful. No one thought Bamboo, all my brand, but what, what, what stuck is I just did it for me, meaning this is what I wanted. I'm going right. to go in this direction. Uh, but that's the stuff I love. I love that, but I appreciate the time. I love hearing your story. Uh, uh, keep trying my products. I'll get you in a new mood. All right. Absolutely, and we and we're ready for you to come on Dream Champs. Uh, I was excited when I was telling him that you might come through. I I'd love to. You guys are killing it. Uh, all the all the best success to you, and keep doing it. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Self Made. Peace. Take care.